welcome to everyone tonight. Those that are watching us online tonight, we welcome you wherever you may be joining us from. Hopefully I can get my bearings a little bit better than I've had them so far. I want to start with verses I used several weeks ago before I left. I really feel like the Lord is wanting to do something in our midst to help us as we move forward. We've got, this is not the total focus of tonight, but I want to say this. We've had many times where we've been, it's been prophesied or spoken that God was going to restore the backsliders. You do real you do you do realize that if Sunday all backsliders showed up that are in just just the area we're in, we would not have enough space in all of our facilities to contain them. That alone would fill up our our space. And I wonder, I wonder if one of the reasons we have not seen that fully fulfilled yet, I'm not prepared to say in any way this is the only reason, but I wonder if maybe there's still some tweaking of attitude and spirit that needs to be done to be fully prepared for that. And so again, that's not the sole focus because I really feel like the Lord is laying some groundwork for some direction we're going to be going as a part of Antioch Central over the next several months. But I, I do think that's at least a part of it tonight. So Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, again used these a couple of weeks ago. And Cain talked with Abel and his brother And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? The Message Bible says, verse 9, like this, God said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, How should I know? Am I his babysitter? New Living Translation. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded, and this, the way that the New Living Translation puts it, is very uh, close to the meaning, the Hebrew meaning of the word keeper. Cain responded, Am I my brother's guardian? I guess for the sake of a title tonight, I will title this The Importance of One. The Importance of One. Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence tonight, of joining together with people of like precious faith. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray, God, that you would speak to us tonight more than just words, more than a lesson a sermon to fill space tonight. I pray that your word would speak to us, that hearts would be open to receive, 
that spirits would be open for you to work in our hearts and our lives tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The previous verses, the Bible says that Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And there was contention that took place between Cain and Abel over the offering that they offered the Lord. God accepted Cain's, or excuse me, Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. And then again we find the word keeper in verse number 9. But as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, they are not the same Hebrew word for keeper of sheep and keeper in this context. It is a guard, a guardian. And so Cain asks God, am I my brother's guard? Am I my brother's protector? And I think the answer to that is yes. Again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I guess in review, Cain knew exactly where Abel was. And isn't it interesting that Cain asks the question, am I my brother's keeper, when he knows exactly where his brother is and what he had done to his brother. We are in the process. I said it a couple of weeks ago and I will say it again tonight. I feel like there are some directions, there are some areas in which the Lord is bringing some clarity for us as a congregation as we move forward into what He has for us. But if, our, if the Spirit is not what it needs to be, we can create all the structure and programs and processes we want to. But if our heart and our spirit and our attitude is not where it needs to be, they may work for a while, but they're going to get old. They're going to... They're going to wear out if it's just a system and a process. And so I, I believe that the Lord is trying to communicate something to us and do something in our midst. We need the spirit and the attitude that says, I am my brother's keeper. I am your guardian. I am your protector. I am going to do the best that I can to look out for you. I'm not going to ask the question, am I, and resent the responsibility, but I'm going to embrace the privilege that I am my brother's keeper. Numbers chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian. I, I love this verse. It, this is, I know this is the Bible and I don't want to be disrespectful, but this is, this verse is like, you ever heard somebody say something and somebody says, you know, way to go, Captain Obvious. Listen to this, listen to how profound this verse is. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, for he married an Ethiopian woman. Thank you. 
And they said, Aaron and Miriam, they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Hmm. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. If I hold my peace, then the Lord's going to fight my battles. If I hold my peace. Moses was the most meek man, it says. And while Moses was very meek and stayed quiet, the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they Three came out and God dressed them down. Challenge the leadership here tonight when those that you're leading speak against you. Be meek like Moses and let God fight your battle for you. Over the next several verses, most of you I'm sure are fairly familiar with the story. But not only does God rebuke them, but the Lord smites Miriam with leprosy because of the way she had risen up against Moses. Moses responds. Wow, what an example of leadership. Because Moses responds not with joy over what God did to Miriam, but responds as an intercessor and asks God to give mercy to Miriam for what she had done. And so Moses has just done that. And then in verse 13, Moses, or excuse me, Moses does this. Moses cried unto the Lord saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, Should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. So rather than her receiving leprosy permanently, God changes that, but for seven days she's got to be isolated from the congregation of Israel, if you will. For seven days she's got to be separated as a punishment for what she has done. And I want you to notice this final verse in this chapter. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. And the people, now remember, the people here is talking about three million plus people who are journeying from the the Red Sea to the Promised Land. And God takes an entire group of people, three million people, and they journeyed not till what? Till Miriam was brought in again. God put three million people's journey on hold 
for one. He made three million people stay where they were until one got through what she was going through and was ready to join the congregation. How easy would it have been to God to say, three million people and one, time for the cloud to move. Time for the pillar of fire to move. And yet for one individual, for one individual, he puts a whole nation's journey on Paul. I wonder if there have been times in our history as a church that God has put us on pause because He was trying not to leave someone behind. That it wasn't judgment or punishment for the congregation because of something they had done, but God was trying to give one time to catch up. One who had spoken out in rebellion. One, not we're not talking about one that was some wonderful saint that was struggling and needed time to catch up. We're talking about one that God was ready to, to smite her with leprosy for the rest of her life because she had spoken against the man he had selected. And God paused the entire nation of Israel's journey for one. The cloud did not move, the pillar did not move until Miriam was ready to rejoin the congregation. It's the it's a common thing. I I was discussing it with the, I I say this affectionately. My dad still calls me a boy, and so this is no disrespect to them. I'm moving into my. I I we 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 went from Liverpool to up to Scotland on Sunday, and and the ladies rode in one car and the guys in the other. And I was sitting in the back seat as Patrick was driving and Matthew was in the front seat, and they got these conversations going on, and they're talking about their wives, and I'm sitting in the back seat going, Oh, my God, I am old. (laughs) I've known them since they were very small. (laughs) And we, we, I think it was in the course of that ride we talked about it. Every pastor, there's... Uh, Brother Barr, I'm sure when he was in Brooklyn Park did this, and Brother Isaac and Deal, and I'm sure Brother Bishop does this, and Brother Gross, others of you that lead, Brother Middleton in his years of leading a, a congregation or a daughter work or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Man, if everybody was there, we'd have... I mean, if everybody showed up, we'd have... What if everybody but one showed up Sunday night for church? Would we stop 
would we notice, would we care about the one? I'm on a, I, I'm on a, I'm on a, I may get on some shaky ground here tonight, but God have mercy on us if we do our best to reach the world, but we forget about each other. I got this at the very end. I get, if I get there, I'll get back to it. It's a paraphrase, I know. But how can we love the sinner who we haven't seen if we don't love our brother who we have seen? And I don't think we can care about the sinner more than we care about our brother and sister. I forget where it was. It seems like it, I, I think it was in our district board meeting a couple of weeks ago that in the course of one of the conversations that were taking place, Bishop said the first place, the first responsibility that I've got, not me as, but us, you as an individual have to evangelize is your home. You shouldn't be more concerned about the sinner or as a mom or dad or husband or wife, you shouldn't be more concerned about everybody else in ministry here or those that you minister to more than those that live in your house. Well, we're not going anywhere until Miriam is ready to go with us. Jesus himself put it this way, Luke 15 and 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them? One. One. Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost, until, until. He doesn't just step outside the sheepfold and do a quick scan, oh well. But he goes looking until he finds it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I don't know of a way of doing it that wouldn't be probably more damaging than beneficial, so we won't do it, at least not now, unless the Lord gives a better way of doing it. But we should not rejoice one bit more over a Holy Ghost and baptismal certificate for a brand new person, then we would rejoice over the one that was lost and comes home. Oh, hallelujah. I got 21 slides just to let you know, and I have no idea if we'll get there. I'm on five in case you lost count, so... I got a couple weeks of uninterrupted Thursday night ministry, so I'll try to slow down and not get it all in tonight. Mm. May not be a good topic on a night when 
it's one in the morning. <laughs> Why? Why is it that the rankest of sinners could walk in here Sunday morning or Sunday night and God fill them with His precious Spirit and then go down in those waters of baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And we would greatly rejoice over their salvation without one bit of judgment. But let the backslider come back and pray through. And we stay out in the field with a chip on our shoulder while the Father celebrates the return of the Son that was lost. I'll be real transparent with you. I'll be, hopefully I'll help you and not cause you to judge me. But I, there, I, I, I fight it. I, I, I've been told for years I have the heart of a pastor, and I hope that's true, and I'm trying to live that. But even as with apparently the heart of a pastor, I find the attitude of the elder brother trying to creep in. Because I've been here. I haven't gone anywhere. And I didn't get a party. You understand what the elder brother was saying by what he said. (laughs) When he said, I've been doing this all these years, but you never gave me a party, what he was doing was revealing the motive behind what he did. Because when the motive's right, I don't need a party. When the motive's right, I don't need the recognition. But when my motive is not right, or when I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, and I'm doing it out of obligation and duty, and because I have to, my attitude is, why should they get celebrated? The same blood that washes the sinner the first time, and that cleanses every sin from their past, is the same blood that the prodigal has access to when they come back to the Father. Same blood. He leaves the ninety and nine to find the one. The one. You know what, it'd be one thing if, you know, out of the hundred, you know, he's got a hundred sheep and he's only got fifty of them that came back. You could see him going out for some. To, you know, let's, we got to get the numbers up a little more. But you got 99? I mean, surely you can afford the loss of one. What's one out of a hundred? Come on, really? But he goes searching until he finds wonder if there's anybody that the Holy Ghost would bring to your mind, your spirit tonight, that you would go searching until you find them. Listen to what the Lord says through the prophet Ezekiel, just revealing. Jesus says it 
God in the flesh says it in Luke 15, but look at what Ezekiel reveals as the heart of God, the shepherd. The first part of this, the first, the beginning part of this chapter is basically a rebuke against shepherds because of the poor job they were doing. So listen to what the Lord says in verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers, and in all the inhabited places of the country." I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall, there shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek, I will seek that which was lost. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them With judgment. I think the fat and the strong here in this context is the elder brother, if you will. With the attitude, with the attitude that looks down on the ones that were scattered, the ones that have been lost. Listen to James chapter 5. Brethren, who? 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 Brethren. Who's the brethren? If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. Convert who? If any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and convert, and one convert him, if any of you... Say, that's me. If you, any of you do err from the truth 
and someone converts you. We got we, we to gotta get all these Trinitarians straightened out. We got to get all these people that believe all you got to do is accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. They need to know the plan of salvation. Amen. Absolutely. You're right. They do. But James says that's not the only ones that need to be converted. The others that need to be converted are those that have known the truth, have experienced the truth, have experienced salvation, know all those things, but they have erred from the truth. Listen to what the word err means. It is to properly cause to roam from safety, truth, or virtue. Thayer says it means to cause to stray, to lead astray, to lead aside from the rigid way. Properly, it's to go astray, to wander, to roam about, metaphorically to lead away from the truth, to lead into error, to deceive. Notice the context of what this word means. This is not a premeditated decision. This is not a pre-planned course of action. Oh, Jesus. This isn't rebellion. Let me borrow. may not do me any good. I probably can't read it with my glasses up there. Listen to this. Y'all all right? Okay. Psalm 170, or 119, excuse me. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. Longest chapter. Almost, almost every verse in Psalm 119 makes, almost every verse makes a direct reference to the Word of God. Judgments, statutes, precepts, word, commandments, laws, etc. It's, it's only a few verses. It's only a few verses in that whole chapter that do not make a direct reference to the Word of God. After 175 verses... You would expect the final verse to be the exclamation point of it all. The grand summary. The grand finale. And listen to what it says. After all of that, am I not mistaken, is it not in Psalm 119 where the psalmist says, Thy word is a... Lamp unto my feet? Is it not the same chapter where he says, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you? After that and many other similar things, he says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. But seek thy servant. For I do not forget thy commandments. 
after everything I've said and everything I know, God, I've gone astray. But please come look for me. We better be real careful how we judge the stray. Because God alone knows the heart. And while actions may look the same, God may see deeper than the actions and recognize one has gone this way out of rebellion and flat out disobedience. But the other has not gone this way out of obedience and, or disobedience and rebellion, but they've gone astray. But they don't forget. So seek me, God. Oh, Father, help us. I know it's Thursday night. I'm supposed to be teaching, but I think God can still move anyway. (laughs) You don't go astray on purpose. (laughs) You don't get separated on purpose. You don't err on purpose. Something has led you astray. Something has led you aside from the rigid way. And James says, if anybody gets led astray, if anybody... You know, the, one of the biggest problems with being deceived? Boy, they sure are deceived. I don't know what their problem is. You just said what their problem is. They're deceived. They ought to know better. They're deceived. They know better than... They're deceived. When you're deceived, you think you're right. You ever been in one of those conversations with somebody? They were absolutely certain they were right about it and you were wrong. No, no, no. The last two weeks, one of those, one of the places, I forget who, it kind of blurs together. Somebody, I think it was a husband and wife, somewhere we were, they were... They were in a, and they each of them was absolutely convinced somebody was deceived because they were telling two different stories. So somebody was deceived, but each were convinced. When you're deceived, you don't know in whom the God of this world has blinded. Oh, Jesus. If someone goes astray, a brother, a sister, again, he's not talking here about the sinner. Brethren, sisters, if any of you do err from the truth, you knew the truth, you lived the truth, you had embraced the truth, but something comes along and leads you astray. I don't know about you, but if I go astray, I sure hope I got a brother that is willing to be my keeper, willing to be my guard, to be my protector. Obviously, I got to make the final decision of whether I allow them to have the impact that they need to have, but I hope at least there is one that's trying to be a brother. Not a Cain who says, <laughs> and that's what's so interesting about Cain. Not only 
is he did he not want to be his brother's keeper? He was his brother's destroyer. Why are you asking me where Abel is? Because his blood is crying out from the ground where he lays, where you murdered him. Am I my brother's keeper? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, considering thyself, Considering thyself, you may be having a good day today. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You may be on the mountaintop today, but you may be rolling down it tomorrow. If any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, in the context here again, is each other. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Amplified Bible. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him. Oh, Brother Wright, I'll do that. Let Just show me where they are. I'm ready to set some people right. I'm ready. You just show me who needs to be set right. Yeah, well, we haven't finished reading yet. Because you're to do it without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness. Hang on, I'm going to give you some definitions of some words in this verse. In a little bit. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself. Lest you should be tempted also. Bear, endure, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah. And complete what is lacking in your disobedience to it. Living Bible. Dear brothers, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help him back on to the right path, remembering that next time it might be one of you who is in the wrong. Share each other's troubles and problems and so obey our Lord's command. If anyone thinks he is too great to stoop to this, he is fooling himself. 
He is really a nobody. Lastly, the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You are not that important. I am not that important. He says, if anyone is overtaken... The word overtaken is a side slip, a lapse or deviation. It is an unintentional error or willful transgression. Thayer says it is a fall beside or near something. A lapse or deviation from truth and uprightness, a sin, a misdeed. Do you, do you get the gist of the word overtaken here? Anybody ever slipped and fell? Yeah, yeah. One more time. Anybody ever slipped and fell? Yeah. Uh-huh. Those of you that slipped and fell, how long were you planning out your fall? How long were you calculating this? I remember one time we, we, we were, I was co-leading a care group. Got another penny for the offering, brother. Freak. I was co-leading a care, brother Kimberly and I co-led a care group. I think we were about 17 or 18 years old. And, and I, I picked, a, I would pick a certain individual up for care group and they, they lived in some, uh, townhouses, and so there was the sidewalk, and then each you know little patch of grass. And it, 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 I don't remember if it was raining or had rain. Were you, were you in the? <laughs> Sister Angie Millette was, uh, it was with me, and this individual came out and and went to cut the corner, coming toward the car, and they caught that mud, and went all the way down. Thankfully, they were at their house and could run back in and change. I, I know they were not sitting inside going, you know what? That corner right there is the perfect spot for me to go down. They were overtaken. Oh, hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. They were overtaken. Something, there was a lapse. Every now and then, Brother Paul, even a professional outfielder, will take his eye off the pop fly long enough that he loses track of where the ball... There is a lapse in focus. Just a momentary lapse. Oh God, rid us from any... Spirit or attitude of judgment that judge that jumps 
to conclusions over lapses from the truth. You know what? Jesus tells the story of the prodigal. The prodigal gets his inheritance. He goes out. He wastes it all. He, 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 takes his, he, he was in the father's house. Raised in the father's house. Takes his inheritance. Goes out and wastes it all. Comes to his senses. Comes back home. And the father completely... I know, I know it's Thursday night. Everybody here knows the story. He's coming home with the, 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 the speech. I know I've messed up, and so just let me be a servant. I've got no expectations on what I deserve in your house. But even a, being a servant in your house is better than what I was, how I was living. And the Father completely restores him, gives him a new robe, gives him new shoes, gives him a new ring, totally restores him. But Hebrews tells us, that it is impossible for those who have tasted of the heavenly gift. And then, I forget exactly the way it says it, but they go astray to be restored. Well, the prodigal is a story of restoration. But Hebrew says it's impossible. can that be? I think the way that can be is that God is not just looking at actions. God's looking at the heart. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, uh, at, earlier this afternoon, this was all really good stuff, and I'm trying to remind myself it's really good stuff. It's just as good right now as it was when I was putting it all together. I don't know what I'm expecting from you. Maybe y'all got jet lag too. I don't know. If anyone is overtaken, why don't what how, how about we make a pact tonight? Why don't we as the core of this congregation? Why don't we make a pact? Why don't, we make a, why don't we make a covenant with each other that we are going to choose that when somebody slips and falls, our first conclusion, our first conclusion is going to be they've had a lapse. They had a side slip. How about if we agree tonight that from now on, our first conclusion is not going to be they're such a rebellious, no good sinner. I knew they were going to... You better be real careful when you're at it too. Well, I knew that was coming. Because I got, I got a feeling they probably didn't know it was coming. And you might have a banana peel in your path ahead if you're not careful. Oh, hallelujah. If anyone is overtake, overtaken, overtaken by a fault. I don't want to, somebody pull that verse up in your Bible for me in the King James. I don't want to keep flipping back and forth here. I will for now. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what? 
Ye which are what? Ye which are spiritual. That word spiritual means non-carnal. According to Thayer's, it's in reference to things emanating from the divine spirit or exhibiting its effects and so its character, charisma. Ye which are spiritual, do what? Do what? Ye which are spiritual. So if someone errs and your attempt is not restoration, then apparently you are not spiritual. I need a mic. I don't care how much you dance, how much you shout. I don't care how much people's mail you read. I don't care about all of that. I don't care about all of that. I don't care how many hours a day you pray. I don't care how many books of the Bible you read every day. I don't care how many. I don't care if you fast eight days every single week. I don't care if when someone is overtaken in a fault and you attack rather than try to restore, you are not spiritual. Mm. You don't, you don't have his character. Because his character is, one got lost, I'm going to find it. His character is, someone has gone astray. I will not simply look at the fact I've got 99, or it's their fault anyway. Spirituality has a proper response to those who are overtaken. You are to restore. The word restore, according to Thayer's, means to render fit, sound, or complete. It means to mend what has been broken or rent, to repair. It is to fit out, to equip, to put in order, to arrange, to adjust. It is to strengthen, to perfect, to complete, make one what he ought to be. We find this same word in Matthew 4.21. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. The word mending there is the same Greek word as restore. It is to put back together. Someone who is overtaken, it is not my job to read them the riot act. It is my job to help make them complete, help them be mended. And then... (laughs) Ooh, are you ready? All that was just kind of okay stuff. Somebody, where, what's that verse? Somebody help me out. Brethren, 
Somebody read, read it again for me so I don't have to flip back. Yes. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual, restore such... All right, hold, hold on. Before you read on. Restore him. But how are you to restore him? Go ahead, Seth. In the spirit of meekness. Here we go. Are you ready? We're all good. For, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll help. I'll restore him. But he tells us how, what spirit they must be restored in. And that is the spirit of meekness. The word meekness means mildness. By implication, humility. Thayer says it means gentleness, humility. Some of us got restoring confused with rebuking. He says do it with mildness. Not up in your face. What is your problem? You know better. How could you... Do it in mildness, with humility, with gentleness. If they're overtaken, restore them. But he's very clear about the way in which that's supposed to be done. Listen. If God straightened everything out in your life, then you have the right to expect others to get everything straightened out. You do. Yeah, you do. If God has straightened everything out in your life, then I got no problem with you expecting Him to straighten everything out and maybe choosing, you know, some of us, you know, the Bible, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and there's sometimes I'm like, well, vengeance is yours, but you need a vessel to work through, so. Yeah, right? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? I, I, need a, I need something for a rock. I, need, I got a rock. I need something. Here, I'll, I'll pretend. Not the microphone, just the. Just, just picture all these. These guys who have caught this woman in the act of adultery. And they're all standing there waiting. (laughs) The law says, guilty of this, you got to be stoned. And we are ready to fulfill the law. They were ready to go. And he says, let me show you how to do this, fellas. Let me show you some meekness, some mildness. Whoever doesn't have any sin, go ahead and throw away. 
Go ahead and let it fly. I, I, I imagine, I got no Bible for this, just my own imagination. I imagine there were some guys that were cocked and ready. And I imagine some of them still stood there for a moment, cocked and ready, after he said that. Isn't it amazing how quick we are to throw a rock at somebody else? I know I'm talking to the wrong people tonight. I know, I know, I'm so, I know, I know I'm talking to all you precious godly saints tonight, and this has nothing to do with any of you. I'm just give me a couple more minutes and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Hey, you know you got a, you know you got an eyelash in your eye. You do know that, right? I mean, you, you know that, don't you? Right there in the, right there in the corner, you got. I mean, you can barely see it, but it's there. Some of us are really great eyelash finders. Isn't it amazing? You might want to, you might want to step back. Oh Lord. You might want to step back if in the process of getting everybody else's eye cleaned out, you're causing damage along the way. I mean, I'm going to get that eyelash out, but in the meantime, when I walk away, you're going to have cuts all over you because while I'm worried about the speck in your eye, I need to be thinking about the guitar stand in mine. Oh, I know y'all were, y'all were victory marching and leaving your father behind and all that on Sunday night. I guess that's the, I'm kind of like the dad, I guess that's my job. Some of y'all, we, we have altar calls, some of y'all are all over the place. Uh-oh, I'm breaking stuff. I guess that's the, I'm losing some of my... I guess I lost a screw. My bad. Is this yours? Break, is this yours? I'm breaking... Or is this yours? Breaking your stuff. It's back on now. All right. You know what? what what's sad... not backwards now. It's not staying, but it's not backwards. What's sad is when we get so comfortable living with the moat in our eye and don't even realize it's still there. (laughs) Well, we sure have developed that one eye. We got Superman x-ray vision with that one eye. Or they need to pray through, and she needs to pray through. 
Maybe one day they'll get that dealt with. Broke it again. I'm just going to go put it down and let you fix it. <laughs> I need to deal with my own stuff. I'm closing. Pilot told us we were making our approach, and it was 35, 40 minutes later before we landed, so I'd make a good pilot. Barnes says this. <laughs> With how do you restore? With a kind, forbearing, and forgiving spirit. Not with anger. Not with a lordly and overbearing mind. Not with a love of finding others in fault. What a statement. A love of finding others in a love of finding others in a love. A love of, yeah, there are people that have a love of finding others in fault. (laughs) And with a desire for inflicting the discipline of the church. Not with a harsh, unforgiving temper, but with love and gentleness and humility and patience. And with a readiness to forgive when wrong has been, notice what it's saying there. When wrong has been done. Nobody's arguing about whether or not it was uh, wrong has been done. But forgiving even when wrong has been done. This is an essential qualification for restoring and recovering an offending brother. No one should attempt to rebuke or admonish another who cannot do it in the spirit of meekness. No man should engage in any way in the work of reform who has not such a temper of mind. I guess apparently some of y'all love me so much and care about me so much that you want to help me do my job. You just take it upon yourself to do the rebuking and the correcting. You know, you'd you'd be surprised. Some of y'all probably really wouldn't believe it. But you'd be surprised, brother, you as he and I have discussed this through the years. We we really are a lot of times the last to know. Really are. Y'all didn't know this was going on? No, actually not. There's a lot of times that's of course nowadays, thankfully with Facebook and so and Instagram, we usually do. But there is another side to the coin. Did y'all know this was going on? Yep. Well, how come you're not doing anything about it? Who said we aren't? Well, they're still singing. They're still teaching. They're still greeting. They're still ushering. Yeah. 
Will you be happy if we brought them all up on the platform on Sunday night in front of everybody here and live stream and confronted them and rebuked them? You'd probably be pretty happy. Because the reason we get so focused on others is because we don't want anybody to take a real look at us. So if I can keep your focus on somebody else, then that means you may not really see me. So there's a good percentage of the time, y'all didn't know about it? No, really we didn't. But there's another percentage of the time, you know about it? Yeah. How come you haven't done anything? Who says we haven't? Facebook wasn't a thing when my kids were young, but even if it was, I would not have gotten on Facebook. Just want you all to know, I just got through spanking my son. They just got out of time out. Bless God. No. Why? Because love covers and love hides. Love covers and love hides. <laughs> there is not a person in this room tonight including the guy with the lapel mic that doesn't have stuff that they don't want people to know about. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that's given me space to work through it. Especially when I'm overtaken. I tried. I, 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 they're sitting here, and so it's a little bit tough, and they, they may have a different opinion. But I have tried, and I've tried even more so. In fact, I probably have tried more in the teen years than I really did in the toddler years. And I, 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 I think it would have helped in the earlier years, but I think it's more critical in these teen years um, that I got this approach. I've done my best in my kids' teen years to not simply react to the behavior. In fact, there have been a few times there was probably discipline warranted that I opted not to discipline because I was trying to get to the root of the action. And when I got to the root of the action and I found out it wasn't rebellion. It wasn't rebellion. It was a symptom of something else that was going on. You, you, you can't spank hurt out of somebody. You can't spank depression out. You can't spank loneliness out. You can mend it. You can restore it. You can minister to it. 
I'm sorry, but you can't just look at the action and just automatically give the judgment of what's deserved. Because somebody may have been overtaken. Somebody may not, may not have been sitting around pre-calculating what they were going to do. But they had a, what was that, a, a side slip, I think it was. I like that, that sounds pretty, a side slip. I just had a little side slip. I'm going to say it again as I'm close closing. <laughs> Final approach. I kind of feel we were, we were I, I, I would make a good pilot. We were, we were flying into Brussels. We were supposed to go to Amsterdam, and they, they had already diverted us because of the weather. And so they were taking us to Brussels, Belgium, and we were on, we were on the approach. All of a sudden, pilot kicked them engines back in, and we took up and went around again. I kind of feel that way a lot of times, teaching and preaching. (laughs) We on the way in, but all of a sudden, we got to go around a little bit longer. I like that. I'm glad I had that experience. I feel a little better now. I'm not lying. I thought, I really thought we were landing. I did all that and forgot what I was actually trying to say. I know. I basically said it before I started tonight. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll probably say it again in the future. We can organize. We can create structure. We can create processes and systems and What good is it to you to go sit in a care group with a bunch of people that don't know how to restore in meekness? What good is it to be in in the right setting if the right spirit and attitude? I'm just going to tell you something as I close. I said that already, didn't I? I better stop saying I'm closing. You you take this however you want to take it. I don't think it's arrogance. I think the Word of God backs me up. I do not perceive my job as the pastor of this congregation to be to straighten all of you out. And so it becomes pretty... It's pretty arrogant for you to think it's your job to do what's not even my job. We, 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 uh, <laughs> All right, I promise I'll be done by nine. <laughs> we were driving back from Scotland back to Liverpool. And there's sheep all over the place. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever really seen in person this site before. We were, we were driving by one pasture. And the shepherd, it was, a, it was such an awesome sight to see. The shepherd was out in the field. And he was walking, and there were probably 60 sheep. <laughs> it, it was an amazing thing. He was not, he was not, he wasn't even looking. Wasn't even looking. He was just walking. 
And there was something that had been established between him and those sheep that they just voluntarily wanted to follow. Oh, God, give me that kind of charisma, that kind of character that if that in my role, but not just as pastor, but in other roles, in other areas. of, Give me that same kind of thing in my house where the other five people in my house are just willing to follow where I'm going because they can trust that I will work to restore in meekness. I think I did this a couple weeks ago. I'm going to do it again tonight. Rather than the disruption of you standing and having to regain attention, would you just join me for a moment or two before we dismiss just right where you are? We're about to go into a time of prayer and fasting. What better time for God to straighten some things out in us? What better time for God to bring some things into alignment to position us? for what it is He's wanting to do in us and through us. God, I pray that You would give us Your heart. Give us Your heart, God. You expressed it in Your Word through the prophet Ezekiel, but You also communicated it when You were on this earth in the flesh. Your love, Your concern, Your burden, Your passion for just one. I pray that You would give us as a body that same attitude, that same spirit. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to not give in to the spirit of Cain that resents our brother, that produces resentment in us towards our brothers and our sisters. But God, give us that attitude that Paul talked about and James talked about, that attitude that wants to find a way to restore, that attitude that wants to find a way to mend and heal, And to be able to do it, God, in meekness. To do it in a way that would be pleasing to you. To do it in a way that would exhibit your character. Father, I come against tonight the spirit of the elder brother that would try to work against us. God, as a body, I come against the spirit of the elder brother that would like to take hold here. I pray that also in our lives individually, God, you would deliver us from that attitude that rather than being like the elder brother sitting outside resenting what was going on, that we would have the same attitude as you, the Father, and would join you in the celebration for those that have strayed, those that are lost, that have come home. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, help us tonight. Help us tonight, Father. God, as we continue on into the fulfillment of your promises to us, bring us into alignment. Bring us into alignment with your word. Bring our attitudes, our spirits into alignment with your word, with your spirit, God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of restoration work through us. Rather than judgment, rather than criticism, let restoration work through us. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. Hope to see you all Sunday morning and or Sunday night in Jesus' name.